Hello, everybody. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Elizabeth Gilbert. As some of you may or may not know, this is from my other podcast called Wise Women Inspiring Success and Empowerment. It is a fully bingeable series that you can listen to right now wherever you get your podcasts. This was my favorite part of the conversation, and we look forward to being back for season seven in a couple of weeks. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoy. The terrorist who who lives in your head, um, if you're bringing that with you along your entire journey of what our culture conventionally calls success, then you're just going to have a really painful relationship with yourself in a much nicer house. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. The other inspiration that came when I thought about this podcast was my my grandmother used to uh, host these weekly prayer circles for all the little, you know, like Hispanic abuelitas and, and grandmothers, mothers on our block that, you know, were, had sons in jails or they were in gangs and and so she would host these weekly prayer Mm. vigils they were little you know prayer circles and they would all gather at our you know in our little apartment and she would make hot chocolate and there would be bandulce and and everybody would just do these prayer circles but really what it would be is it was a support group they would just all talk to each other and I was little and I mean between the ages of like five and seven this would happen every week. And so I'd sit at their feet and listen to them and I would, wow. and I would hear, and I would cry when they would cry. You know, I was just so, I wanted oh. to, I wanted to just help, you know, any way that I could. And, and to me, just to be able to experience the wisdom or the support that they gave each other was absolutely, it really helped shape who I was and how I treated other women. You know, I never grew up with having that competitive edge with women. You know, that thing, I just always have been obsessed with women. I just always have. I just love all women. I I think every woman is beautiful and and wise and loving. And, And I know that, you know, everybody has flaws. Nobody's perfect, but Or else everybody is. (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, and I think that that's that's one of the things as you're speaking right now to all of the, these incredible women that inspire you. I'm like that, it's just taking me to that space of being Mm. able to sit at the feet of women that are living their path. They're living their, their truth, their, their life, their passion, their dharma, their calling. And I think there's nothing more inspiring than a woman who can just stand in her own power and be completely unapologetic. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and when you were saying that you were missing hugs and that you wanted to be in circles with women, I've had a couple experiences lately. I've been teaching a lot of work, well, back when humans could be together. I was teaching a lot of um, creativity workshops for women and just the intimacy of what happens when, it, even women who are perfect strangers, when they come together in a room and hold space for one another and hear each other's stories. And um, I was just in India, I was thinking about this the other day. So I was in India in January and I was teaching at this um, women's gathering in the Rajasthan desert, of all these women from all these different cultures. And over the course of the week that I was there at this, this 700 year old ashram in the middle of the Rajasthan desert, that was the guru who was a man who's an incredible feminist Indian dude, who's an incredible feminist and environmentalist from this ancient tradition that valued both women and trees, um, had turned his ashram totally over for women to take over. And so it, it had just become this world of women. And, and it was so, there were so many tears and there were women sitting in circles, braiding each other's hair and doing each other's henna and rubbing each other's shoulders and heads in each other's laps and playing guitars. And it really was this like Edenic paradise, <laughs> paradise of femininity. And I remember leaving the ashram one day because I wanted to go in the village and buy something and stepping out. And the first thing that I saw was a group of soldiers walking up the street, a group of male soldiers um, from the Indian army. And they were, I don't know what they were doing, but it was, they were in military uniform. And it almost impacted me like, like my, like it took my breath. Mm. And, and I, my whole body felt a shock when I saw them because I was like, I'd forgotten. Like, I was like, oh, I forgot that that's also on earth. <laughs> God, that there's all of that there's the military and there's this hyper testosterone and and there's this scary kind of posturing dudes and I was like oh man <laughs> and I love men but it was like I'd been so spoiled by being in this warm soft safe completely female environment that I was like oh right there's armies yeah. and wars and gangs and yes. like I God, geez, you know, it was just like such a letdown. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go buy this shit I need at the store and go back in the ashram and shut the door and braid somebody's hair and try to forget that I just saw that. I know, I, you know, it's it, but that's part of, I think, what creates wisdom is to be able to hold that. Yeah. Those are both the realities. You know, I, I remember like, uh, palm trees are my absolute favorite tree. I think I believe that they are the disco ball of the tree family. <laughs> um, I always, we used, growing up, my uncle would always say, you know, LA is all about palm trees and dreams. And I'm like, it absolutely mm. is. You know, I love the palm trees. I love the beach, but there were rod iron, there was rod iron on the windows, you know, mm. so there's the juxtaposition of here's this beautiful landscape this paradise but there is chaos everywhere you know so just to your point I think it's for me it, it was really important to be able to grow up with both the beauty of ritual and connection and community and family but also to see the reality I'm doing this yeah. it, it is the reality of the world it shouldn't be air quoted I think being able to experience that, you know, when I was little, I didn't understand, you know, if there was a God, why God would let these things happen? You know, why mm -hmm. does God let, you know, Doña Blanca's son, 
get shot in front of her house. Like, why is that okay? You know, why does God let that happen? She's just a nice lady. She always brings me treats. And, you know, like I just couldn't resolve this idea. And so it took a long time for me to understand. And then it goes into the opposite way, right? The the think the group think of well, you know, you, this is just the way it is. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a lifestyle and there's no changing it. It's just part of what your your socioeconomic standpoint. And there's this belief that limits mm-hmm. a lot of people from moving past the decisions that they don't know that they can make, you know, choices that they don't know that they have. And for me, it's definitely been such an interesting process of unlearning all of that, but doing exactly what you just said, keeping all of the good stuff and drawing from the inspiration of the community and and the beauty of different cultures and, and growing up in LA with it's a melting pot and having different experiences with friends and being able to just take extract the good and and leave the the bad and not be resentful of the fact that like we have a system that's fucked up or this is going on here and it's like mm-hmm. the jail system is messed up it's like all of those things exist but i think it's also important for us to stay grounded in what's going to keep us you know keep it moving you're going to go buy some shit at the store and you're going to go back to the ashram and you're going to try <laughs> and stay in that space as long as you can <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, and to you know, to be fair to your seven-year-old self or ten-year-old self who was questioning why would God allow this to happen and not finding answers to that, you know, Aristotle couldn't answer it either. You know, um, Moses couldn't answer it either. Like Gandhi couldn't answer it either. You know, um, I can't answer it. You can't answer it. And yet here we are, and we also feel spirit moving through us, and that feels really real. And what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> Something really interesting. <laughs> Something really, really, really interesting. Um, and those questions will never stop being answered. We're no closer to them now than we were 5,000 years ago when the psalmists wrote, where shall wisdom be found? Um, you know, we're all, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm, you know, um, and and different people, different levels across society are different, but no one's spared the storm mm-hmm. of what, why did that happen and why didn't this happen? Um, and I think the only really humble answer to that is, I don't know, you know, mm. don't know, can't know. Um, can We can theorize, you can come up with, you know, ways to see it that make you be able to face your tomorrows. Um, but I would never, ever presume to to think no matter how many months and years of study I've had under the greatest living masters, living and dead masters, would I ever, ever presume to tell a woman whose child had been killed why her child had been killed. Mm. Um, And and the best that I would ever be able to come up with would be to say, I don't know, but I'm, but I'll sit with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'll sit with you. Um, Whatever I can do for you, I'll do for you. You know, and that's, as far as I can go with it. Um, And at the same time, well, at the same time, paradoxically still believing in a loving God um, and being completely unable to defend it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, Nah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I know. I think. I think I'll that's. <laughs> yeah. I the the whole yogic ideal of just letting go of that, the attachment to the knowing and just letting things be. I think that is a 
a very uh, uh, strong characteristic of, um, how can I say this? It's a very strong characteristic in the practice of just letting go and surrender and just being, not having to ask the the not having to know the why. I mean, there's this thing that I I, I read it and I can't remember what book I read it in, but um, it'll come to me. But we we can live forty days without water, no, forty days without food, three days without water, and thirty seconds before we try and find meaning in something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lisa oh I love that. Lisa Cron. It's a it's a it's a book called A Wired for Story, and she talks about that in there. But isn't that wow, 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 wow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it's also that question that question too. The the mind wants to fill the space of the what is that? Like there's the uh, Sanskrit mantra that uh, Soham right says, "I am." The mind is wants to know what. I am mm-hmm. what? What am I? Mm-hmm. I am one. And why? Why? And why am I not? Why am I not so hum that guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like why? <laughs> and there's an affection that I feel toward that aspect of my mind at this point because it's so dear. You know, it's it's the youngest part of me. It's the youngest part of me who's like, oh, but goodness. why do I have to go to bed at seven o'clock? But why? But why did Catherine, my sister, get this and I didn't get that? And why did I, you know, it's like, you know, it's very, it's very, it's not to be thrown away because it's an aspect of our, of our being and it can lead us on really interesting quests. But, um, you know, at this point in my life, when I hear her, that youngest part of myself demanding to know the answers to unknowable things, you know, I'm just like, oh, honey, I don't know, but I love you so much. so much and I'll sit with you in it I'll sit with you in it in that question but um you know maybe we should just go get a glass of water <laughs> yeah exactly oh maybe that's we good just go take a bath maybe we should just go get a glass of water and yeah. um you know why don't you just sit with me I have this 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 um practice that if anybody has followed me over the last few years, you might've heard me talk about it, but I have a a practice of writing to myself every day from love. And it's a dialogue, an ongoing dialogue between me and love. And I guess you could say it's between fear and love because I do wake up every day in fear. I I wake up mentally a long time. (laughs) Like it's a a long, like getting myself stabilized. I always say that taking care of my, and I'm not joking about that. Like, and I'm not using mentally a light, light. I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who has been medicated and treated for severe depression and anxiety in my life. So, um, so I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying that it takes me a couple hours to get this thing on track every day. And I now see it as my full-time job, my most important job, um, because I'm of no use really out there in the world until I can get her stabilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I take really good care of her now. Like I didn't always, but I take really good care of her now because she's my responsibility. And, um, and I don't know much about how the universe works, but it would appear, um, if I'm to believe my senses, which is a big if, but, um, it would appear that they gave me this one to take care of. They gave me this spirit that dropped me into this body, into this mind, into this family, into this culture, into this moment of history. And I don't, I like to think 
that they wouldn't have given me her to take care of if they didn't think that I could be a good steward of her, right? If I didn't, mm -hmm. and by steward, I mean an affectionate, loving friend, mm -hmm. you know, a really fine, a really fine, loving friend who's like, I'm never going to roll you under the bus on purpose. <laughs> I might do it accidentally, but I won't do it on purpose anymore. So, so part of that, part of my ritual in the morning to kind of get her okay to be able to do whatever needs to be done in the world is um, that I write to her from love. Mm. And, and when I use the word love here, I mean, I don't mean romantic love. I mean, the great mother, the great universal, and I don't mean the mother who raised you. I mean the cosmic mother. Right. Um, and, and, and when I, and it's just amazing for me to experience the way love speaks to me. Um, and, and what she's constantly saying, she never gives advice. It's so good to know that love never gives advice. She never gives advice. She never offers solutions. She never gives criticism. She just says, I love you so much, honey. I love you so, so, so much. And I see that you're really struggling right now. And I can see that you're really in a twist about this. And, and I don't need you to solve it. Um, I don't need you to feel better. I don't need you to not be anxious right now. I don't need you to be transcendent and wise. Um, I don't need you to be a thought leader. <laughs> I don't need you to be doing better and better every day. Um, I don't need you to ever solve this one. I don't need you to ever feel better. I just love you and I'm with you and I'm, and I'm just here with you and I'll sit with you. That's what I was saying. I was saying I wouldn't know what to say to somebody who had lost a child other than I will sit with you, right? That's the only thing love ever says, real love. I'll sit with you in this and, and I'll be with you tomorrow too. And I've got nowhere better to be. I've got nothing better to do than to sit with you. And when I start asking why questions of love, but why, why, why? She always says, I don't know, sweetheart, that's not my department. <laughs> she says, it's not my department, but why don't you... Why don't you just sit with me for a while? Why don't you close this notebook and and just sit and watch your breath? And why don't you just sit with me now and consider the extraordinary possibility that you are so loved? And just sit with me and see whether you can feel that. And um and and it works, you know, something in me just really quiets hearing those words and try it again tomorrow. I don't know. Um, you know, it's not that it's, you know, she doesn't ever give me the solution. She just yeah. says, I'll be with you through the whole journey of it. Well, I um, think that that's also important yeah. is to realize that we don't, we don't always need a solution for things. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't always have to have a, I think we, we desire yeah. that the mind does, you know, the mind wants to find, well, the mind always wants what's better. That's the nature of the mind. It always wants what's better, or what's next. Even if you do have a solution, if the mind decides it's not good enough, it's still going to keep asking the question. Well, the mind will, in two minutes, find another thing to be dissatisfied about, right? That's its job. It's like, okay, now we have chocolate, but we don't have chocolate with whipped cream on it. Right. You know? <laughs> but you know what would have been better or this, or, but you know what's even better? Yeah. Would have been better to do this in person. Yeah, but you know what would have been, it's like, yeah. this, this is, everything's perfect. Right now is perfect. Everything is perfect. This episode is brought to you by Thrive Cosmetics. I tried to get eyelash extensions one time and it was a terrible idea. I always liked the idea of having really full and beautiful eyelashes, but after my experience, I decided to never go down that route. Granted, this place did not specialize in eyelash extensions, but I digress. 
Fortunately for me, I was able to find a product that I absolutely fell in love with, and it is the Liquid Lash Extension Mascara by Thrive Cosmetics. Thrive Cosmetics products are made with clean, high-performance, skin-loving ingredients. Their clinically proven formulas not only highlight your best features, but they actually improve your skin over time. All Thrive Cosmetics products are formulated without parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. And their Liquid Lash Extension Mascara is one of their best-selling products. It mimics the look of lash extensions without the damaging effects of glue or expensive salon prices. It has more than 11,800 five-star reviews and is a winner of the Allure Best of Beauty 2020 Award. It's made with clean, nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier-looking lashes over time. Once you're there, you can also check out the Brilliant Eye Brightener, the Sunproof Intensive Lip Balm with SPF 24, and the Bright Balance 3-in-1 Cleanser. Thrive Cosmetics has a bigger-than-beauty mission. Every single product purchase has a commitment to support a nonprofit partner with a donation of funds or products and is truly unique and inspiring how this beauty brand goes above and beyond just clean beauty standards. One of my favorite thing about them is their omission of toxic ingredients and how they are cruelty-free, they never test on animals, and you guys know that we are an animal-friendly podcast, so kudos to them. I love everything about Thrive Cosmetics. Their products are the best I've ever used and their bigger than beauty mission is truly inspiring. You're going to love them as much as I do. Visit thrivecosmetics.com forward slash loved for 15% off of your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's Thrive, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com forward slash loved for 15% off of your first order thrivecosmetics.com forward slash loved. And thank you Thrive Cosmetics for a special partnership with our podcast. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Living in Los Angeles, I spent a lot of time in the car. And one of the things that gets me through is listening to some of my favorite books. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. As an Audible member, you will get one credit every month, good for any title in their entire premium selection. That means the latest bestseller, the buzziest new release, the hottest celebrity memoir, or the bucket list title you've created. And those titles are yours to keep forever in your Audible library. You will also get full access to their popular plus catalog. It's filled with thousands and thousands of audiobooks, original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, sleep tracks for better rest, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive series. These are all included with your membership so that you can download and stream all you want, no credits needed. You can always find the perfect title for whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, or whatever you're feeling, whether it's comedy, romance, suspense, my favorite true crime, science fiction, or fitness. You can even squeeze in a workout or a guided meditation without ever having to go to a gym or a class. With everything you love to listen to all in one app, Audible is your playlist for life. New members can always try Audible for 30 days on them. So visit Audible today. Head to audible.com forward slash loved or text loved to 500-500. Again, it's audible.com forward slash L-O-V-E-D or text L-O-V-E-D to 500-500. Start listening to Audible today. And now back to our show. I want to be respectful of your time. I have two more questions for you. Hopefully, uh, you know, 
I'm like, hopefully they, I won't keep you very long, but I don't mind keeping you long. I'll keep you forever. I tend to give, I have been giving, let's be very honest, 20 minute answers to your questions. <laughs> no, that's good. This is great. No, I love it. Um, all right. Lock it in, Rosie. Okay. What is, what is your personal definition of success? A mind that is comfortable in its own presence. Um, yeah. I mean, really, honestly, what other thing is going to work? You know, I think the quality of your life is going to be only 100% determined by the, the voice in your head that speaks to you um, and what it says. And um, it doesn't matter. Any other kind of success where you're bringing along a head with you that's telling you that you're human garbage, that you're a failure, that you fucked that up, that you suck, that you should have done better, that everyone else is doing it better than you, that, you know, I see through it, everyone thinks you're a success, but I know you're a fraud. I know, you know, the terrorist who, who lives in your head, um, if you're bringing that with you along your entire journey of what our culture conventionally calls success, then you're just going to have a really painful relationship with yourself in a much nicer house. Um, you know, and, and, and doesn't matter how nice the house gets. I mean, I've met, I've been in them. <laughs> I've met the people who live in those really nice houses and like, they can't sleep through the night. They're in torment with themselves. They're, they're, you know, they just, it's so can you be, can you be in possession of a mind that's at home with itself, a mind that's comfortable with itself? Um, and to me, that means that the void, the primary voice, the one that takes, um, the one that takes leadership uh, is the kindest one, um, the friendliest one. Like we all want to talk about self-love and I think self-love is very high teaching and I think it's a very intimidating teaching. I would say start with like, can you, can you be like as nice to yourself as you would be to a, a random stranger at the grocery store? <laughs> Just polite, <laughs> like a little bit of politeness, a little bit of um, and, and then ramp up from that to, to, you know, I used to say, I wouldn't talk to a mugger the way I talk to myself. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and now I don't do that anymore. It's not that the terrorist is gone. The terrorist is always there and she's always going to try. Um, you know, she's always going to look for ways to tell me that I'm bad and that I'm wrong and that I'm lacking and that I'm a fraud and that I, I'm a failure. And now I, she's been exposed to me and I know who she is and she's, she's just very, very young. Um, and very, very frightened and very frightened of being orphaned and very frightened of being abandoned. And all I say to her now is, oh, honey, you'll always have a home with me. You'll always, always, always have a home with me. I will never turn you out. I will never turn you out on the streets. That voice, the cruelest voice in my head is the one that needs the most love. Let the most vicious voice in your head be the first in line to be loved. Um, that's the one who's lacking in love, right? And I just like, I just like wrap her up in cashmere blankets and I'm like, oh, it's so cute that you think that I'm a failure. Oh my God, honey, come here. <laughs> come sit in my lap. I've got you. You'll always have a home with me. And it calms her right down. So that is my definition of success. And I don't achieve that every day, but I, I got to tell you, most days, that's who's running my show now. And that's who was not running my show 20 years ago. And that's mm. why I was suicidally depressed. Um, mm. So, yeah. Have you talked about that before? I feel like I talk about it all the time. 
Maybe. But uh, yeah, I feel I, I'll talk about it whenever I can to whoever I can. Yeah, I think a lot of it, what I find is, you know, when people have achieved a certain level of success, um, that we tend to, I'm not going to say we, I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even close to there yet. But for me, I think I'm successful because I got out of the environment that I got out of and I'm living a way better life than I would have had I stayed where I was. But um, there's this curating process that happens once you achieve a certain level of success where you feel, not you feel, but you're meant to be a certain way or act a certain way or have everything figured out. Like for example, being a yoga teacher automatically means I'm enlightened and I don't curse anymore and I don't have meltdowns and I don't curse people. (laughs) I don't want to go to a yoga teacher who thinks that way. Right. (laughs) Well, I had, I had this, I know there was this, um, this thing that I, I posted a couple of weeks ago where you know, I get random people and, and most of the time I don't pay any mind and I'm like, whatever, you know, these people hurt people, hurt people. And sometimes mm. and people are hurting right now. People are in a lot of pain right now. But somebody had said that me posting memes was unyogic and irresponsible. And mm. I was, you know, I kind of responded to that in, in a very, mm. as, as loving as I possibly could. But I just don't think that that is a right way for us to to see each other in any way if we're a famous writer or if you're a yoga teacher or whatever you are that you should be held to this ideal of oh no you're supposed to have your shit together like you Mm -hmm. shouldn't be oh you can't be on medication for anxiety or you shouldn't be on this or you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be talking and it's like don't fucking shit all over me I don't understand Mm -hmm. like can we just Mm -hmm. live can we just live our lives is that still I mean, illegal? That might seem like the kindest way to go about it. <laughs> and can I just say, like, about a mind that's being at home with itself, like, I hope that you, I hope that you give yourself so much loving credit for what a kind and generous thing it was for your spirit to get you out of that world into another. Like, like what a friendly thing to do for yourself, you know, to say, I'm not going to make you stay in this. Like, you know, I can just think of so many times where I've said to my little one inside of me, oh, sweetheart, I'm going to get you right out of this. I'm going to get you out of this situation. This is not a good place for you. Um, this is not a good, I've ended relationships. I've ended romantic relationships because my little one inside of me said, can we, can you please get me out of here? Like, this is, this is a terrible, terrible place for me to be. And I will say to her out loud, oh yeah, I'll get you right out of here. This is no good. You know, and like <laughs> five minutes later, I'm commencing with getting us out of here because this is not okay. Um, and I am getting quicker at that with her, you know, um, and, and trusting that, you know, these people that I'm with right now, this, this, like this, no, this is not a good place for us, you know, um, and because my, my responsibility is to her, my stewardship is to her. So like, well done you, like what a kind, I always use the word friendly, but I don't think there's anything higher that you can be toward yourself than such a good loving mm. friend. Um, what a friendly thing for you to do for yourself to change your environment at such a profound level. Like what a generous thing for you to do for yourself. Well done. <laughs> more of that for you 
and you get to decide what's good, what's a good place for her to be and what isn't, whether it's a publishing house, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendships, whether it's a conference of people who want you to belong to them. And you're like, yeah, no, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know, like you get to choose and no one else other than you. Mm. Liz G, you are the real OG. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, sweetheart. Oh, you really are That's the best. Good. I am so, so grateful. Um, I literally can talk to you for another hour, but I want to be respectful. And um, I'm going to ask you the final question. Yeah. And it's about everything that we've been talking about. You, you have literally described the next word I'm going to ask you about, and it's about empowerment. And I feel like this whole hour has been you really just talking about empowerment and what the definition is. But the final question is, what is your definition of empowerment and how do you strive to um, feel it in your everyday life? It's different than it would have been years ago, but now I can genuinely say that my definition of empowerment is emotional autonomy, um, by which I mean, you didn't do anything to me. <laughs> you didn't do anything to me. I don't mean you particularly, Rosie, because you have never done anything but be perfectly lovely to me in the last hour that we spent together. Um, but, but real, I'll give you an example from when I was in a relationship with somebody and I was really hurt. Um, I felt like I was really hurt by something that they said to me. And, and, and this is a massive transformation in my life where I was able to sit down with this person and say, um, okay, so I'm in a lot of pain. You said a thing and I'm in a lot of pain about it, but I need you, we, I need you to prep before we do anything. I need you to understand that you didn't hurt me. You didn't hurt me. The pain that is in me right now predates you by decades. You know, long before I ever saw your face, long before I ever knew your name, this pain was inside of me. This is a particular kind of pain. Um, and it's mine. It isn't yours. And you didn't do it. However, here we are in relationship and I'm feeling it right now. And I would love to talk about how that happened, how the thing that you said triggered my own pain. Um, and once again, you didn't do anything to me. But if we're going to do something with each other, then you might want to know, like in the care and feeding of a Liz, um, that, that that kind of a statement is going to cause this kind of impact in me. But it's mine, you know? Um, and, and how do you think going forward, like, and I take full responsibility for it. Um, but I also am in a relationship with you. So let's talk about that, you know? And, and what do we think we can do? Are you interested in this? And if the person is unable to meet you in a place of, of recognizing it, then comes the next thing, which is, please get me out of here. <laughs> then it's time for me to, okay, it's good. I'm going to excuse myself now from this. And again, you didn't do it. But she, Liz, is my primary responsibility. Emotional autonomy means I've got Liz. I've got Liz. You're not in charge of her. You're not responsible for saving me. You're not responsible for anything that I'm feeling. Um, but if it doesn't feel good to continue to be in, in your presence, I can guarantee you that I'm going to take Liz out of here. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to, because I know that I can take really good care of her. 
um, I know. And it's a, it's a conversation that that I have with myself, with my younger versions, my small parts of me, my little ones, my my inner child, where I'm constantly saying to her, I can take, if you stay with me, I can take better care of you. I will, you are my priority. I have all the things I've always wanted to hear somebody else say. You are my priority. I've got nothing but time for you. Let's figure out how to make you happiest and most comfortable in this world. Emotional autonomy, that is true power because it means that you can come and you can go and other people can come and they can go. People can come in and out of your life. People can die. You know, I lost the love of my life two years ago and emotional autonomy means that I grieved and I've got me. Um, she can leave the one person in the world who I absolutely trusted with my heart can leave and dissolve into the infinite. And Liz is still going to be all right um, because I hold my own heart in my hands in an incredibly loving and gentle and kind way. So the world can change. Pandemics can come. Trump can be in office. You know, awful things can occur. <laughs> like really, truly awful things can occur. People can leave me. People can attack me. People can misunderstand me and I've got Liz. That is the only empowerment that means anything to me. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. The, the thing about grief, I think, is so poignant. It, and the reason why it hurts so much, I, I remember reading this, that because you're trying to fit the love of two people in one heart. And that's why mm. it hurts. <laughs> and you know what? You can actually do and part of grief is it's it's your cart is building so that that person's spirit has a safe place to stay in there for eternity right forever once you've made your heart a really safe place for you then suddenly it can become a really soft place for other people too but only if only if they're the right people at the right time um so yeah emotional autonomy that's power (laughs) and it doesn't mean like i don't need anybody you know, fuck you, stay away from me. No, interdependence is a part of human life. It just means that the person who is primarily responsible for me is always going to be me. And when I give that away, um, when I give my spirit away to somebody else, that's when I'm going to have a broken heart um, because it's not my, it's not their responsibility to hold my spirit. It's mine. I can share my heart with someone. I can share my life with someone, but where I've gotten in trouble in the past and what causes my heart to break is not somebody coming or going. It's me giving my spirit away to some other human being um, and putting my spirit in their hands and thinking that they're responsible for my happiness. And then I guarantee you, I will end up with broken heart. Mm-hmm. But when you don't do that, when you give your love, but not your spirit, the relationship can end and you can feel sadness, but you, but your heart doesn't break because your spirit stayed where it belongs which is in your care and in the care of the infinite. Mm, I love that. Liz Gilbert, everyone, thank you so, so much. You are really just the real OG. G. That makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really am so, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. You are absolutely one of my uh, biggest inspirations and I'm, I'm so grateful that you agreed to do this and I'm, I'm just, I have no words. Thank you so much. You're beautiful and I'm super excited about your journey. And I know that Rosie is in really, really good hands with Rosie. <laughs>
Thank you. And you're, you're, you're going to steward her and you're going to shepherd her through this life really, really well. You've done it already and you're going to keep doing it. And I know that you've got you. So well done, you. Thank you. Yeah, take care, honey. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.